All right, welcome back for another episode of Table Talks, where deeper conversations are something highly sought after but rarely explored. I'm joined by my lovely co-host, Alyssa. Hi, sunshine. All right, so uh, tea time this week is not really all that much tea, but one, we're recording this in the closet. Two, the second tea is we've got some teaser things coming out on our lovely Instagram, which is tabletalks.podcast. So check it out there in the next couple of weeks. Alyssa, do you have any tea for us this week? Um, I wouldn't say it's tea, but I kind of upped my game in Sudoku. I'm now playing Killer Sudoku, so... Please explain. What is Killer Sudoku to someone who doesn't play Sudoku? I mean, if you know, do you know what Sudoku is? Yeah, I, I get the, like, just You're pretty much putting one through nine into, um, boxes, and they all, all rows will have one through nine. Um, but Killer Sudoku, I think, adds math into the equation. Oh my lord. So you're playing a Sudoku board... You're still doing the one through nine, but there are, like, Tetris-shaped blocks on the board, and so you have to add... There's a number in the corner, so you do, like, ten, and so you would know that that might be nine plus one, and that's within the box, and you're also playing Sudoku in the background, so it's kind of getting my brain going with the math and then the Sudoku, and it's actually fun. It's an interesting experience. Yeah, see, I'm not a math person, so I'm, like... I'm not a math person by any means, but, like, I wanted to kind of challenge myself. Yeah. Okay, so it's only, like, one through through ten. Yeah, you just have, like, different size blocks, too. Like, they're, like, touches, so, like, the L shape or, like, a square. Okay. Um, So, like, you have different numbers, and so you can kind of deductive reason which ones will be there depending on whether it's more sudoku based or just the math so okay. i usually answer all the math questions first, first. yeah get that out of the way you yeah anything it. i can add it's like okay that's 10 you know nine eight great sweet all right all right so this week's topic is gonna kind of follow up with last week's topic of um sex education so last week we kind of talked a lot about um this is the sex podcast let's go this is the <laughs> Definitely long-awaited after eight. We kind of ended eight. We had a lot of sex talk, and I brought up about sex education. Um, So that's where I would love to touch upon and get your personal experience, Jocelyn, with sexual education. Um, So I did want to dive in first where you started picking up sex education. Like, what age did you learn it at school or with your parents or both somewhere else? Fifth grade was definitely, like, the year that I think sex ed was, like, introduced in the classroom. But then after that, it wasn't really talked about a lot. I think my mom, I think probably it was my mom who, like, first introduced it. And it was, like, when I was going to get a, a training bra from, oh, God, what is it, Justice? Was that, like, oh my gosh, I yeah. know, super Limited thrilling. to injustice. Yes, yes, thank you. That's exactly what I was thinking. Um, yeah, so those those were, like, the, the times for me of, like, that was when it was, like, I'm growing, and then it was, like, I started shaving. My mom, like, introduced me to shaving. Like, do you want to shave? Do you not want to shave? Like, what do you want to do? We should really get you into shaving so you know and you have the choice. And I was, like, oh, all right, cool. Like, I mean, I I think this is just, you know, societally what I'm supposed to do is just shave. Like, you know, it's this is the times. Like, that's what you grow up in. Okay, so you thought it was, like, a societal standard almost? And not at the time, but, like, looking back, like, yeah, it's just, like, you hit that point in your life, and that's just, now you start shaving. Like, okay, it is what it is. Like, that's just what happens but now that like i have high, obviously hindsight's 2020 i look back and i'm like oh that's kind of like a societal standard because like now 
<laughs> You're lucky if you get me to shave like once a month, okay? Like, That's actually interesting because like I actually picked up shaving from my best friend at the time. Really? Yeah, like it was like I was having a sleepover at her house and she just happened to be shaving her legs. Like we used to shower and stuff. And she was like, I was like, oh my God, your legs are so smooth. And she was like, oh yeah, I started shaving my legs. And I was like, wait, what? <laughs> we also talked about tampons at the same time, mm. funnily enough. But I like actually learned shaving from her. I didn't learn it from anybody else. So did you start using tampons pretty early on? I didn't actually. <laughs> this is going to be an embarrassment. <laughs> you don't have to tell it, but I was just curious. I was like, I don't, I have my own story about tampons, but that came like years later. Like I didn't start using tampons until I was like, Probably in high school. Like, really? Yeah, like, really late in my game, I started using tampons. So, I actually, like, I mean, going back to my first period, it, I was, like, a later bloomer, um, but I was using pads for a long time, but I, like, kept bleeding through, and I really wanted mm. to use tampons, and like I said, that my friend had told me kind of how her cousin, I think, had taught her, um, so I was like, oh, my God, I'm gonna go home and try it, and so I went into the bathroom, I grabbed the tampon, I did not put that thing in right to save my life. Oh my god! It, Do you know how many I put in before I got it right? I, so, <laughs> girls, if you if there's girls, young ladies, women listening to this, please like share your stories, comment like either on our Instagram or just like in the feed to be like, hey, look, like this is my personal story with like tampons, or DM us if you don't feel comfortable like posting it because we're just genuinely curious. Like Alyssa's story is obviously funny, and so is mine because I'm like, okay, I'm with Alyssa. I never put mine in right. Like, Alyssa, I didn't put mine in right to save my freaking life. You know, I sat there with so many, like, the box just sitting on the toilet. Like, how am I supposed to do this with the directions in my lap? Like, oh, my God, what am I supposed to do? See, I didn't do that as much. So, like, I was very new to tampons, and I wasn't so comfortable talking with, like, my mom or anything. So, like, I had put the tampon in clearly wrong, and then I left the bathroom because I thought I had it right. I was like, all right, we're good. I walked away. And then I went to try to sit down outside with my fam, and I could not sit. It was so uncomfortable. I was like, okay, I gotta go back into the bathroom. Yeah. And so I took a long break after that. And then later, I think it was like maybe like a year or two down the road, I did try them again. Um, and that's the same way I've been doing it ever since. So yeah. I finally learned how to successfully put a tampon in. Yeah. So my story was the fact that, like, I was down at my grandmother's in Florida, and I wanted so badly to go swimming. But I was like, I don't know how to put tampons in. Mm. Like, it just didn't know. I, it wasn't a thing. I just wore pads. I'm like, well, I can't go swimming with a pad in my period. Like, hello. Blow it up. Yeah. Like, oh my God, it'll be so weird. Your so, tube. Oh my God. So weird. So I was like, all right. And my mom was like, well, like tampons are an option. And I was like, I don't know what I'm doing. She's like, it's okay. Just go in there. We'll go, we'll go to the Publix. We'll go get you like a tampon box and we'll, you can just go sit in the bathroom. So I did. I sat in the bathroom for like an hour trying to figure out, I was like reading the directions. I put so many of them in and like, I'm like, oh my God, what is happening? Like, how do we, how do we do this? Like, Okay, I see that like the way it's supposed to go, but that it says it's supposed to be comfortable. That doesn't feel very comfortable. Yeah. So we I need to take it out. Let me tell you, if you are a lady, taking out a dry tampon is so uncomfortable. I think now that you say that, I think I did go and get my mom after that because like I couldn't get it out because it was just like freshly put in and there's nothing to absorb to give that like lubrication to come out. Yep. And so then I was freaking out, so that made me all like clenched up and yeah, and you're nervous, and you're like, I don't want to rip it out and, like, rip out my vagina, because you don't know. Like, I know, I was only, like, 12, I think, at the time. I was much later in my years, but, like, sexually, I matured much later as well. Like, I definitely didn't, like, I, sex was, like, not on the radar for me until later in life. Like, 
later years, but I definitely like got my period super early on and then just like I was just a pad wearer and like that was fine. I was comfortable with that. And then I like switched to tampons and now like I love tampons. Love tampons. They make, they make life just so much easier. I do. I mean, not I would like to talk about the sex education, but this I feel like is an important topic. Um I don't know if you feel comfortable with, but do you feel like you could give advice on how to get like a tampon in? in? Uh Okay, first of all, don't buy the ones that have the cardboard applicator. Ooh, yeah. Those are really uncomfortable. Like, I I was so lucky. Like, my mom immediately bought me the ones that just automatically have the plastic applicator. And I didn't realize the difference until, like, probably a year or so later. Like, I was going swimming at my cousin's house. I had gotten my period. I was like, oh, shit. I need a tampon. So I was like, hey, do you have tampons? She was like, yeah, I, I have some. And I had to use a cardboard applicator. And I was like, whoa, what is this? And I was like, okay, it's still a tampon. Like, it still does all the functionalities that, like, a tampon does, but it's a cardboard. So definitely go with plastic. That's much more smoother for your first time. Um, I wish I had advice, but just read the packet. I just read I just read the instruction manual, and, I mean, I don't think there's really, like, a good, like, way to describe how to put a tampon in. I think you just have to go for it and just experiment for yourself and figure it out what what's comfortable what's not comfortable because i know some people don't like tampons because in the end they are really uncomfortable and people don't end up liking that feeling of like something inserted inside them literally all the time during their period so it's that's fine like if you're not a tampon person then like that's okay too i do think like mine evolved like my journey of tampons and pads but if i had to give advice on how to put a tampon in like this is the way i do it I make sure I'm all clean and wiped up, all the blood's taken care of, but I typically do, like, a little squat over the toilet. Like, I'm not sitting on the mm. toilet, but I'm squatted, and that usually gets the... Your uh, vagina opening is usually, at, like, a slant, um, so that's why I usually do squat. a squat, and then you can insert it, and then that is a little bit more comfortable. That way you're not going straight up or back. Because um, that's where you get that uncomfortable angle. Yeah, I'm thinking, I am I have a questioning look on my face, and I know as the listeners, you guys can't see our, our facial expressions yet, but I am have the questioning look because I'm like, okay, how do I put my tampons in? And I'm like, yeah, I do, like, I do definitely do, like, a little squat. Like, it depends. I'll either do a squat or, like, when I go to put it in, like, I lean all the way back on the back of the toilet, and, like, I try to put it in that okay. way. So, like, either it's a squat. It depends if I'm, like, trying to be quick, it's a squat. But if I, like, I'm just kind of, like, lazy and like I don't have the next thing to do I just like will lean back and like slide it in that way yeah I do have to say do not get the scented please and thank you do not get the scented versions and understand that there are multiple sizes of tampons depending on the flow it's not the size of the tampon it is the flow of your period so Mm -hmm. like for example I usually do a little bit more like a regular and then a light the rest of my cycle um, but it, everyone's different, so yeah. just understanding With, that for your first time is huge. Yeah, I know when I started using tampons, I was, like, a super plus tampon person and, like, a mm. super and, like, regular towards the end of my period. Like, I was someone who had an extremely heavy flow as a kid growing up and went on birth control because I had such a heavy flow. Like, my flow was, like, at a minimum 10 days. So, like, and I was really heavy. So, I was always a super plus to, like, super, and then I'd roll into regular, and then it would just stop. But as I got older, I'm more like a regular and now 
since I have an IUD, I'm a, like a light person. I like barely ever even need a tampon half the time. So. Yeah, I mean, I usually do a combination of like tampons and then I use um, some type of like panty liner just mm-hmm. to cover. Same. Just in case, I just just that extra. I don't want to ruin another pair of underwear. Like that's all <laughs> I think about half the time. I'm like, do I want to ruin this pair of underwear? No, all right, let's throw the panty liner on just in case. I will say not sponsored, but always Infinity. They have those flex foam pads. Those mm. are awesome. I am so <laughs> When those came you. out, I was jazzed as hell. Oh, my God, so good. I love, love those. Um, they're definitely my favorite. And even, like, I just stick with Always as, like, the whole brand. Like, I even use the Always tampons. Um, I like the Pearl one. Tampax Pearl? I think... No, I think Always came out with one that has, like... But I know Tampax Pearl, but I think Always came out with, like, a... Maybe it was a full cup one instead. But they Always, for a while, only had, like, a one that was around... Like, it wasn't... It didn't open up inside. It would more, like, open sideways. Does that make sense? Have you seen, like, the... I only know from, like, commercials and stuff. They, like, show it, like, very briefly as, like, the tampon actually... Yeah, so it's a wing. Um, Always was usually the wing versus, like, um, the... Tampax Pearl opens more like a flower almost. Yeah. Um, and definitely, like, that's another thing to consider, too. And that's why I think, um, I think I was with Always for a little while. And then I think once Always finally, like, switched, I did, per- I switched to Tampax Pearl because I needed the full, the full, full view to make sure that it was, like, covering everything. I mean, since we're on the topic and you said cup, I, do, I don't personally use them, but I do want to provide the listeners the option of something like free bleeding or like the diva cup i know i think or that's the Nuva brand Ring or something like that Nuva Ring is birth control oh okay um, but the cup the menstrual cup that is another option i don't know as much about it so i don't want to speak on it but those are your other options for people listening that maybe their first time yeah yeah, I don't, I don't know anything about those either, so I wish I could talk about them. It's a little but... bit different. I know, like, the menstrual cup, usually you have to squeeze t- the cup closed to insert, and then it opens back up when you're um, inside, but I don't personally know how, like, the emptying process goes, and, like, that's why I never went that direction, because I was like, how am I supposed to empty, like, a... <laughs> this is very visual, a cup of blood. Yeah, no, like, from what I understand is, like, when you pull it out, you it just empties into the toilet. Yeah, and then like you're, a tab. you're supposed to boil them, from oh. what I understand. Um, and I only know this simply from a from like a meme. It was like a Reddit meme stream, like stream of things, and it was a guy talking about the fact of like, oh yeah, like there's all of a sudden this cup, like there's like a couple cups in like a, a container in the bath and on our on our sink, and I'm like, oh babe, like what are those? And she's like, oh those are my diva cups, and he's like, you're what? And she was like, oh the cups that I use like when I'm menstruating, I like use those, and he's like, I'm sorry. Those go inside of you when you're menstruating. He, like, freaked out about it. He didn't understand. He thought they were shot glasses, like, all this stuff. Like, he was like, why are we boiling shot glasses, babe? Like, wait, they don't have bottoms. Like, what's going on? Like, so he definitely was, like, very confused in this, like, Reddit feed. And then, like, she explained, like, no, babe. Like, I use that to menstruate. And he was like, I'm blown away. I can't even believe that, like, you women stick that inside of you. I would never. I mean, I think that's a great transition, though, because... How do you feel like the men in your life at that time, kind of what they knew, like how did they respond when they found out, like was your dad supportive? Oh my God, my dad was so supportive. My dad's like, okay, we got your period. Like, what do you need? Like, and of course I come from a divorce household. So like, you know, my dad had to always make sure that those things were at the house for me as well as like my mom made sure those things were at the house for me. 
Um, but yeah, no, my dad was like, all right. So like, oh, I'm going grocery shopping like on, you know, Monday or Tuesday. Do you need anything? Like, is your period coming up? Are you out of pads or whatever? Or like, we'd be getting low. I'd be like, Hey dad, I gotta run to like, we gotta go to the store. Like I'm gonna need pads tomorrow. And he's like, all right, like, let's just go tonight. Like, let's go get it. It's gonna be busy tomorrow. I don't want to do that. Like, let's go now. My dad was super supportive. I mean, I don't think I ever had that open conversation with my brother, like about my period, but I mean, my family and from what I see from my dad was very like open and it's just like, yeah, okay. You know, you're a woman like, hello, this happens. Like it is what it is. But I've definitely had boyfriends be like, I don't even want to know. Just say that you can't have sex. I don't want to know that you're on your period. Just tell me you can't have sex. I've definitely been with those sort of guys. And like, I do feel like education around like periods and puberty and stuff like that could be better. Mm -hmm. Like just educating both genders on the each other mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? yeah i feel like my sex ed definitely like educated both of us like we watched the female one first and then we watched the male one um but i don't feel like it really went into depth as to like one for females like all of the options that you had as a female to use pads tampons birth control like what is what is the typical period versus like what you shouldn't be experiencing when you're on your period. Cause I, I notice a lot of that too, like coming more to light more recently of all the things that like you shouldn't experience on your period, like bladder incontinence, like, um, extreme, like blood clotting, things like that. Those aren't things that you should regularly experience on your period. And if you are experiencing those things, please talk to your doctor. Like those things are important for you to either talk with your OBGYNs or for just your regular primary care doctor. Um, absolutely. I do feel like the films that I saw, I think they're they were probably pretty standardized mm-hmm. around the time, but the one that I watched around the same, like, fifth, sixth grade, we did see the female one first, but it kind of focused a little bit more about, like, pregnancy. Mm-hmm. Same. It wasn't like, oh, this is your body here, it's changing, you know, you're going to grow breasts, and there's going to be some changes in your, like, hips and proportions and stuff like that, and the other emotional aspects. It was very much about getting pregnant have kind of a little bit more how that works yeah without going into like too much detail yeah and then we watched like the male version but we were separated like i remember yeah. watching it in the gym and like the guys went somewhere else and we were off by our yeah they, <laughs> with the we gym did, coach yeah we had i know for ours we were in like just separate rooms like it was like the guys were over here the girls were in this room and then like you guys were pretty much watching the same videos just in reverse um but yeah, like, there just, like, wasn't a whole lot of education actually about your cycle, which is something that now, as a 26-year-old, I'm reading the book called In the Flow by Alyssa Vitti, and she talks immensely about the way of, like, the actual cycle of your flow. Like, you have ovulation, you have um, follicular, and then you have menstruation, and then there's one other cycle, and I, I wish I could remember, but I can't. It's in between your menstruation and your ovulation, and it's funny because... A lot of people that I talk to, especially males, are like, oh, well, I thought you ovulated and then immediately got your period. And it's like, no, like you ovulate, you have for like, they say three to five days and then you have your follicular period, which is anywhere from like four to like 10 days. And then you have your menstruation period, which can be anywhere from three to seven days. So like, it's insane that like, you know, I, I talk to guys and they're like, that's something I didn't even know for myself. So to hear that like guys don't know about it either is not that surprising because I was like, wow, I didn't even know that my body 
goes through four different stages. Like I was just like, okay, I'm ovulating. I'm not ovulating. I'm period. Like that's, I'm not period. Like that's just kind of the, the flow I always thought. But that's, that's kind of what true. I saw. I mean, I didn't even know like I, when I was ovulating until I downloaded one of those birth control tracking apps. Yeah. And same. then it was like, hey, you're ovulating like on week two. And then week four was like when I had my period. And I was like, yeah. oh, good to know. And I was like, what does that even mean though? Like I, it, like I never even understood what ovulation was. Like I didn't realize that like that's when you start like if you want to be trying to get pregnant that's when you want to be having the most intimacy with your partner and I didn't realize that that was like okay so I don't want to have intimacy with my partner because I'm not trying to get pregnant like those are things that were never educated to me in in my sex education within school yeah and I know this sounds like a lot of like puberty talk or just like girls and periods but like I think it's important to talk about in regards to sex education because it does come into play I mean once a month your your girl is is bleeding and like that can affect your sex life so like it's good to talk about yeah and not and not only just your sex life but like her life as a whole and because like it it transitions so so much with like pms and then also women that end up having uh endometriosis or um pcos i know those are two like really big um problems for females as a whole but yeah i think it was just like You know, I never, like, they always talked about, I think I knew about ovulation and menstruation in that time frame, but I never really understood the concept of what the difference was. I was just like, okay, whatever, like, I do a thing, and then I get my period. Like, I just was like, okay, I menstruate. Like, that was the only thing that I was aware that I did. Yeah, those were the two things. It was, like, menstruation, pregnancy. (laughs) Yeah. And, like, that was, like, the gist of everything, and then they just kind of asked, like, oh, do you have any questions? And, like, no one wants to ask in a super public setting with, even if it's just us women, like, in the room, like, no one wants to ask that. Yeah, especially as a fifth or sixth grader. Like, what are you, how do you even you already have no idea what's going on and then you're approaching this topic of this thing that you're like, okay, well, like, I mean, I know eventually, like, it happens for all of us. Some of us are already experiencing, you know, our periods and menstruation and others are not yet. People and, already had boobs in my class. Yeah, same. I was I was a flat-chested lady up until a little Still later in <laughs> <laughs> um, But yeah, like, you know, those were things that, like, I never thought or never really, like, was like, I'm going to speak up and ask these questions because I didn't even know what questions to ask. Like, I didn't even know what I should be asking and, like, things like that. And you had brought up a great point of the book that I think everyone in our generation got. So I'm going to let you take the reins here. Yes, please, but I have to backtrack a little bit to be coming up to that story. So another story dropping in. So around, like I said, sixth grade, I had a math project. We're very math-based today. Yeah. <laughs> I had a math project, and it was, I couldn't tell you what it was. I don't know, like, radius or something like that. But okay. I had to find a sports ball okay. and figure out the radius, radius or whatever the math the situation on that. So what I did for homework is I went home, and at age of the internet, just the beginning of it, went on my computer, got some dial-up internet. ding 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 Oh, no. I can see where this is going. Yep. Yeah, yeah. So... I go on, and I'm innocent. I am naive as fuck at this point. And I... You said sixth grade, right? Fifth, sixth grade, something around that time. I searched balls (laughs) on Google. That's it. Just balls. And I was like, all right, see some basketball, some tennis balls. And I was like, I see this weird photo. 
and it's just like a guy and he's in a skirt it's like a hot pink skirt and I was like why is this guy in a skirt this is so weird like what I've never seen this and I clicked on the picture and in this picture I don't know if the safe settings weren't on but it, he happened to have his balls out in the skirt so I mean I clicked off I didn't think anything of it I continued my project and mom I'm sorry because I'm sure you don't know this but the way I had my sex talk was my mom was going through the history to make sure we were all safe and I appreciate that but she saw that I searched for balls and she thought I was ready to have the like I was ready to have the talk so you're like no I just had a math project mom I'm sorry yeah, it was like right after like a stamping course or something like to make cards and my mom was like can I talk to you for a minute and she sat me down in my room and she gave me the book the American Girl, The Care and Keeping of You. That's the book that every girl, I think, has had in that era. Nope. And we had a short little conversation. I was like, Mom, that's not what I was talking about. Like, I was just searching for a math project. And she didn't, I mean, she didn't believe me. Of course not. They don't. They usually don't. So, yeah, we had the little conversation. And then she, like, left. And she gave me the book. And she's like, here it is. Oh, she also gave me Are You There, God? It's Me, Margaret. Um, by Judy. I think it's Judy Blue. I think, yeah, I think so. I think you're right. Which is a fantastic book. I urge you to read it if you haven't. But it's a young adult book, and she grows, and then she's getting puberty and stuff. But the Care and Keeping of You book really did help me. I thought it was really beneficial, and it was age-appropriate, I would say. Like, yeah, I, absolutely. I learned about training bras and different types of bras. I mm -hmm. learned... The caring of, like, that I'm going to start growing leg hair and arm hair and mustache hair or whatever I'm going to be growing. Wherever and, the hair decides it, to come in. If I wanted to shave, you know, it did go over how to insert a tampon to the best of their ability. I mean, there were some, like, pictures, but obviously yeah. it doesn't do it justice. But, like, I learned a good portion of my sex education there. It wasn't so much with my mom. Mm -hmm. And I honestly prefer that. Thank you, Mom. <laughs> I don't. I wasn't really comfortable at that stage in my life to just be like, "Hey, like, let's have a talk about sex or yeah. like what I'm going through with puberty and stuff like that." Um, it didn't unfortunately go over too much about sex because it was like an age appropriate, appropriate book. book. Um, but I did pick up a little bit more as I started doing research, like closer to high school. Yeah, yeah. I think ugh, I don't even think I researched sex in high school. Like you, you bring up like researching, and I was just like so naive. I mean. Like, I didn't understand any of it, and I just didn't... I didn't have the urge to understand it until I was going to do it, and then I didn't even care to understand it. I just wanted to do it. Like, I never had that, like, exploration period. Did you did you have the sex ed, kit, like, class in high school, though? Yeah, but I don't remember it very well. Like, mm -hmm. I was... I didn't really love school that much, so, like, I don't remember paying attention. Like, I loved knowledge, and I loved learning when I found that it, like was interesting to me but if it wasn't interesting to me I like was zoned out I know for a fact I definitely had that health class but I don't remember it very well like, I, I just remember sitting in class with our high school I think it was science or something for me really yeah I think I think it was the the high school gym teacher was who like health was also the health teacher I think I got mine at um at high school no i think it was at our high school oh okay and it was with the um the health coach which the health lady who was also the gym the lady gym teacher it was my sophomore year it was when i like first got there i think i was in 
think I was in an, uh, an upper class at that point because my schedule was all messed up from transferring schools. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I do remember my class at the same school. Um, mine, I think, was a little bit different because I was starting to become like woke in the sex talk and education and trying to research. I mean, I do think the care and keeping of you books kind of like st- sparked the rest of that. Mm-hmm. And I started like wanting to learn more about me and my body. Um, but the health class was more so, I think, about STDs at the time. Mm-hmm. They're now, now it's called usually STIs, like infections and not diseases. Yep. Um, and that was their focus. So it's almost like a prevention class more than an education course, in my yeah. opinion. Like, we went over all these gross STIs and, like, chlamydia and herpes, and I got to see the nasty photos, but, like... No one was talking to me about, like... How does that even happen? What sex is like, the emotions that come around with it. Or, like, how those types of diseases even affect you and your partner. Like, that can cause a rift, or it can bring you together. It can weird people out. Like, that's a whole other thing. And I do think that school systems need to start addressing it. I know parents have such varied opinions, and some people like to do it at home, but... A lot of people aren't getting the education, then they're going off into the world and being like, all right, well, I'm going to, I want to have sex. I just have this sensation, you know, and then they're doing it and it does end up with like unwanted pregnancies or breakups, whatever that case may be. And it can cause a lot of issues. Yeah, no, absolutely. I definitely, I like that you touched upon the fact that like sex is also like an emotional thing. Cause like it very much is like sex isn't just something that you can go around and, and throw it out there and think that you're not going to get attached to the person that you're sleeping with. Um, and that's not something that's ever talked about either. Like Mm -hmm. it's, but it's actually part should be part of the sex education that you learn when you learn it in school or when you have those talks with your parents, like not, it should never just be. And I think going forward, like for me having that conversation with my kids is gonna be like, okay, so here are all the things that can happen during sex. Like you can get, not only can you get pregnant, because I know that the videos you're watching in school are probably not too far off from the same videos I was watching in school. So like, let's have like a sit down conversation when you're ready to have that conversation. And like, there are a lot more things and things are much deeper than like what the school is offering you. Yeah. I do appreciate like both school and parent conversations. I think that mm-hmm. really benefited me. It's like, I knew there was an open door if I needed yeah. it with my, like my parents, but I had the some education in school mm-hmm. um I think that when I have that conversation with my future children that I would definitely keep it I don't know if I'd put it in one conversation because I do feel like that's like very overwhelming and a lot but like mm-hmm. I would start that dialogue early like even if it's just bodily uh, body autonomy mm-hmm. um at an early age like we don't have to hug people if you don't want to you don't have to say hi to these people if you don't want to and like start there and then go forward and then you have that open space to then your child maybe asks you a question or something I I learned a lot of weird shit just from my other like other people I was going to school with like Mm -hmm. I don't even know what just crazy terms I mean I learned slut in school and like what that meant or like I think I I learned, like, sex things, like, the pirate, which I didn't even know was, like, a thing. It's, like, where you ejaculate into, like, a girl's eye. What the hell? Yeah, like, like it's intentional. Like, this was things that, like, I learned from my friends as well. Like, it's just, I was, like, 
Wait, that's a wait. That's that a term for that. I thought that just happened by accident. Like, that's not the education we need. No. Like, I, I mean, mine was not. It was very pure. I mean, I learned like BJ and HJ and like that stories. It was just in like in passing. Someone tell like a gossipy story and I'd be like, "What's that?" Yeah. Or yeah. I'd like Urban Dictionary it to oh figure God. it out. That so was many, so popular. So many, so many Urban Dictionaries. Like, wait, what does that mean? What does that mean? Wait, what does that mean? Like, it's sleepovers and stuff. Absolutely, like. But, yeah, I'd, like, peer-wise, like, I don't know. I know we talked about it because it was more about, like, okay, like, what did you do? Like, what, like, where are you at? Like, what are you, what are the things you're doing? And it wasn't so much revolved around, like, all of the things that are actually happening during sex. It was just, like, if you did it. Yeah, it's, like, the age of exploration, like, just trying to learn about each other's bodies. I mean, you play doctor even, like, at a really early age with other children. And, like, you're curious about that stuff. So I do think educating early um, and talking about the emotional side as they get older, I mean, I personally know, like, sex can complicate things. I can also find that I cry, possibly, you know? <laughs> like, you, there's so many ranging of emotions, and, like, you have to kind of, like, learn how to cope with those things and make sure, like, is that normal? Is it not normal? And, like, knowing that helps so that you don't feel embarrassed and, like, that you can talk to your partner about that. Mm -hmm. And And that's super important. Absolutely. And I think that also, not just, like, the emotional range that you have, but also, like, the physical feelings, like, of, like, what sensation, like, is it burning when we're having sex? Like, is it, am I lubricated enough? Like, does it hurt when we have sex? And, like, am I lubricated, but it's not, like, I'm but I'm still in pain when we have sex. Like if those are things that are happening, like those are conversations that need to be had, not just with your partner, but also with like, take it a step further. And like, is your partner doing what they need to do to get you ready to have sex? Cause a lot of people, and I think this might be a good topic to kind of dive into is like foreplay. Like when it comes to sex education, like I think something that's not really taught is like the things you have to do before you actually get to the like insertion period. Yeah. Like, it's non-existent in the education. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, I had to learn it on my own for the most part, or, like, what I read, or I'd see it in, like, porn and stuff like that, but, like, foreplay is super important, especially for women. I think I saw, like, this crazy statistic that said, like, 20 to 40 minutes is the workup for women for foreplay, and to get themselves in the mood. Like, there's there's actually body changes that that happen during that period. Like, I think the, is it the vaginal opening like swells and it opens up a little bit more so it's mm-hmm. more accepting and like I it would lu- never have known that no and it lubricates itself and also like the fluid and this was something that I just learned like the fluid in your bladder actually changes like it I know that sounds so it sounds really weird um but it was something that I had just learned that like you know if um if you are someone that ends up squirting during sex it's not just like it's not all pee like a lot of times like people are like ew you're squirting oh my god it's just your pee like no it's actually like a fluid like a just a liquid very similar to water with like a few other soluble things in it that swells the bladder and then that's what comes out it's not all like it is there is a variation of urine if there's already urine within your bladder but like that is a it's just a a watered down version like a very watered down version because your bladder will actually swell which is why a lot of times like when you're done having sex you have to pee right oh absolutely that which <laughs> men's feeling you're like oh gotta, gotta go pee. yeah so that's what's happened like that also happens during sex and like that's 
that's part of the foreplay. Like you're building that up so you can, because women, as women, we need to pee after sex. It's very, very crucial and important because if you don't, it can cause like UTIs. You can get yeast infections and things like that, that are just like, oh, and I mean, if you already experienced those things, you know how awful those things can be and how like they can be draining and just annoying. And like, you're just like oh, this again. And as someone like I have suffered uh, from like chronic UTIs, I like, was like, I just would wish this would go away. And that was like one of the easiest ways to fix it. it was like, my doctor was like, are you peeing after sex? And I was like, I don't, I mean, not all the time. Like, I know that I like have those urges to go pee, but like, I don't always get up because sometimes I just want to go to bed or like, I just don't do it. And she's like, when you're done having sex, you need to immediately go pee at the earliest convenience. And I'm like, oh, and it did, it did reduce my urinary tract infections by quite a lot. So if that's something that you're thinking about and you're like, wow, I get UTIs a lot. Like make sure that you're hydrating, not only prior to sex, but like you're also going to the bathroom directly like after sex within like a, a reasonable amount of time. Yeah. I know it was always recommended like before and after. Mm-hmm. And I think that, I mean, don't quote me on it, but I believe that male ejaculation has like a different pH, which can does. throw off your pH, mm-hmm. which causes those yeast infections, the UTIs and stuff like that. So yeah, it's I think- very important to bring that up yeah i think too like um the male like semen is actually like it's like very acidic so i think that's like i'm very terrible at like what the ph feels so that's low so they're they're like a four where our our like vaginas are actually at like a anywhere from like a 6.8 to like an 8.0 like that's or a 7.4 or something like that those like similar but it's it's definitely we're on the higher end of that number and they're on the much lower end of that number and like it will throw off your ph and cause a urinary tract or not a urinary a um a yeast infection um and i mean an easy way if anyone's listening boric acid that has been my absolute lifesaver um after i got my iud i was really really prone to yeast infections and what you call bacteria vaginosis which is just like a bacteria that grows in your vagina because your pH levels are off. Um, And men can actually walk around with bacteria vaginosis and not even know they have it. So now like they, they spread it to their woman, not having any idea and women show signs where men don't. So boric acid is like my ultimate go-to, especially like if I know I've had a few days of like strings of sex, I'm like, Oh, I should probably put that in there just as like a, a precaution of like, hey, I want to make sure that like I'm not going to end up with a yeast infection. Yeah. And I, I would definitely suggest talking to your doctor. I know we mentioned that once, but mm-hmm. bring that up again. Do not take any supplements or additions to your regimen without consulting your doctor. Absolutely. And I urge you guys to be honest yes. with your doctors. Like, I know there's a fear that people, like, they're going to judge you or they're going to look at you and be like, you're too young or something like that. Like, that was something that I encountered when I was, like, very early. Like, I thought my doctor was going to judge me. But as I grew up, I was like, I just need to be honest because, like, if I'm not telling my doctor, then, like, she may not see something or test for something that I'm not, because I'm not telling her. Yeah, and I'm not so, being honest. And I think it's important. And that, did you make that change after you consulted your doctor? The boric acid? Yes. Yes. Um, that was something that because I was having such, like, it was like monthly and it always like, it's right around my period that like, they were like, I was coming up with like a yeast infection and constantly calling and bacteria vaginosis. They're very similar antibiotics that they'll put you on because they're very similar things. Um, and I just got to a point where I was like, 
you know, after it had been a couple months of this happening, my doctor was like, okay, I'm going to suggest something because this happens a lot with women with IUDs. And I just thought that like the pain that I was having was from the beginning of my IUD. And I was like, all right, this just is what it is. Like I just automatically always have it. Like it's just something that happens. It's what comes with it. And she was like, no, that's not normal. So like I, you know, I was lucky that like my doctor was very understanding and she's super great. And I was able to be like, Hey, look, like these, this is like happening almost at every single one of my periods. Like I'm going on these antibiotics and I know eventually like antibiotics stop, like get to a point where your body builds resistance to those antibiotics or the bacteria itself builds resistance to those antibiotics. So I'm always like, okay, well like, what is that? Is there a way to be more like proactive than reactive with it and like I'm just so sick of having to constantly go through this and she was like boric acid she was like it's basically a a highly concentrated form of baking soda I think is Mm -hmm. how my recent OBGYN um, described it to me and I was like really I was like that's cool wait it's just baking soda and I was like okay and she was like it's something that you can use pretty much every like daily Like, if you want to make sure that, like, your pH is great, like, use it nightly. It's, like, it doesn't, it's not harmful in any way. Um, I just use it regularly. I use it once a week usually, like, either on, like, a Saturday night or a Sunday night. And I just put it in overnight and then it it cleans out and the medicine comes out first thing in the morning. Usually with, like, my first couple of peas. Um, But it has been a absolute lifesaver for me for the fact that, like, I haven't had to be on antibiotics for bacterial vaginosis at least in the last couple of months when I was on it monthly so and I always know when I'm getting it because it's like oh I didn't do my regimen the last two weeks that's oh okay it'll make sense why I got it like and you know obviously life gets busy you get caught up in things so um but boric acid is something you can just find at any any store um it's they have it at Target Walmart um I think if you use love wellness they have a brand of it too so if you're on that supplement yeah not sponsored but I I know that that was kind of where I first saw it and was like oh all right and then my doctor gave me like an actual like no you should try this one this one is the one that like doctors recommend people we love like I know I love this one as like an older lady I still use it like I was like oh wow and like my doctor I would say is probably in her mid to late 60s so like and she's like I still use it like it still helps me stay regular like you know us older women we still got issues as you get older like just do it just to be safe and to be comfortable and I was like oh okay oh okay well like I'm gonna do this obviously like a you know not only is she a doctor but she's also like a peer in a way because she experiences the same things that I do she went through her period she's had kids she's now in menopause so she's experiencing those same things and offering advice of like hey this will really help so I you know, almost as like an elder is, I think, more the word mm-hmm. than a peer is what I wanted to say. Um, and she definitely has that more motherly like feel to her. So that's why I was like, I can talk to you about anything. So when I'm doing stuff, I just, you know, I bring it up and I urge you that if you have an OBGYN that, or a primary care that you're not comfortable having these conversations with, find one. Like if you have access to healthcare in any way and you're not comfortable with your doctor, I urge you to change doctors. I know it can be really daunting to go into those first appointments all the time for physicals, but if you're finding a doctor that like isn't listening to you and this goes across the board on any subject, not just like sexual health, but this goes across the board on in any topic for mental health, sexual health, like just your overall health if they're not listening to the things that you're telling them and wanting to work towards a solution or find out what the problem is you need to find a new doctor and I really really urge you to do that because it can be absolutely like detrimental to your health if you don't 
Yeah, and, and maybe you're not just comfortable. I mean, I did, I was seeing a pediatrician until, like, very early into my preteen years, and it was a male doctor, and then I had, I made the change. I mean, I didn't like him for other reasons, mm-hmm. also regarding my period, but he thought I was pregnant. <laughs> I, oh, my goodness. I don't understand that, but that's okay. But I ended up changing doctors, and I was actually a lot more open and comfortable with her, um, just because she was that more, like, elder, like, mentor. She'd mm-hmm. been through it, and so it was really nice to see, and, like, it made me open up more. Um, but speaking of doctors, I do want to bring up getting tested. Mm-hmm. Um, we're talking about sex, and especially if you're either doing it for the first time or even just starting a new something or another that's blooming, um, getting tested is super important. Checking those STIs, making sure everything is set, you're clean, um, and that your partner is clean. I know that's an uncomfortable conversation to have, but you do you want to get an STI or do you want to have that chance of mm-hmm. catching something, whether it's treatable or not? You know, it's a weird area. It's a gray area. But mm-hmm. I, do you have any advice, I guess, on bringing up to your partner about getting tested? Um, I It needs to be a conversation that you're having before you're even having sex not like yes oh my god we're in the heat of the moment stripping clothes off because any and anyone will say anything at that moment just be like yeah i'm clean and like just go even if they they aren't clean or you know their last test was last month but they've had 10 people between their last test and you like i think it's just really i know those are uncomfortable conversations but i think before you start hooking up with someone in any way shape or form and get sexually intimate with someone you need to be like look like I went and got tested and like be willing to share your results with your partner hey I went and got tested these are my results like I got a full panel and like I'm negative for everything like where where is yours I know those are really uncomfortable conversations but in the age of today's technology um it's most of the time on your phone um for like I said and I know healthcare is not accessible to all but it is like accessible to a lot of people and I don't have healthcare right now and I called my OBGYN and she's like okay well I'm not even going to see you I'm just going to send you in for some blood work to we'll do blood work and then you come in and have a pap smear done I was like beautiful she's like I don't want to test you for anything more because I don't want you to uh, uh, cure all these fees just because I am supposed to be doing a certain job like no we'll give you a pap smear which will test you for bacterial vaginosis chlamydia and gonorrhea and then after, we'll do your blood work, which will test you for herpes and X, Y, and Z. I was like, perfect, great. And all of that, like, my appointment and everything, like, sure, it was, like, a whopping 350 which is a lot. But, like, it, you have to kind of lay out the price versus... 18 years <laughs> or an STI that maybe lasts a lifetime. Right. And so, you and, like, your own mental sanity and what you're comfortable with. Like, I always got tested in between partners because I was, like very religiously like I don't want anything so I'm just gonna I'm gonna be the proactive one to go and get tested between each of my partners but that was and that and that's something that I highly recommend you do is like get tested between partners especially if you have something where it's very accessible to healthcare for yourself like if you have a doctor if you have an OBGYN it's really easy to just call them and be like hey um I've been sexually active with like a new partner or I would like to be sexually active with a new partner but I want to get tested before we like you know increase our intercourse and most doctors like okay yeah great like I mean and especially for females it's uh, I don't want to say it's easier, um, but, like, because I'm a female, I felt like it was really easy to have that open dialogue with my doctor. Like, she was very just like, yeah, okay, yeah, come in. Yeah, all right, schedule an appointment. It's only, like, 15 minutes. All we got to do is, like, swab you, have a little chat about your sexual partners and your sexual health, and 
you know, go from there and, you know, we'll t- call you with your results. I mean, I've had male doctors and I actually prefer them now, but I never had any experience where I was, like, judged or, like, he looked at me odd c- or funny because I was asking for a test. No, know? they're, I mean, that's their job. Like, if, like, your, their job is to be your doctor and if, if they are giving you funny looks and, like, judging you, then, like, find a new doctor. <laughs> I urge you to find a new doctor because you shouldn't feel judged for taking care of yourself and making proactive steps to protect yourself. And that goes for your partner, too, not just your doctor. Yeah, If absolutely. they don't respect your choices, you need to evaluate what, what you're going to do with that situation. Mm-hmm. And, like, what like what's your boundary around that? Like, okay, if they're not willing to get tested, are you willing to take the risk? Um, and if they are willing to get tested, then, like, okay, great, you don't have to worry about that boundary. But it goes... it. It definitely goes across the board. Um, I would like to bring up prevention as far as, like, condoms or dental dams, etc. type of protection. Mm-hmm. How do you feel about that? I think I think they're great. I think if you, again, if you have access to it and you can get access to it, then absolutely um, you should use them. Um, yeah, guess what? A guy is probably going to look at you and be like, oh, it's uncomfortable. Or even a girl could look at you and be like, oh, I don't like having sex with condoms. It's not the same. And it's like, okay, what is, like, your feelings around that? And don't don't step back from how you feel about the situation. If you want them to wear a condom and they don't want to, then don't have sex with that person because they're not willing to meet you at the boundary that you have. Also, like, condoms and dental dams are not 100% effective against all, like, STIs and STDs. Like, it, they are definitely an increased um, protection against those things, but it is not 100%. So say, um, for example, your partner, you do know that your partner has um, herpes or um, I'm trying to think of what the HPV, I think is the other one. Oh, Um, so. Yeah, so if they have those things, um, and but you're still willing to go forward with your relationship with them, you have to understand that you are assuming a risk by not wearing a condom or not using dental dams. There is a, there is just that assumed risk. And even with using those, anyone that has those things, like you still are assuming a risk. Like they're, they're not a hundred percent effective. And it's, it's all because, um, specifically like where, and like for general, I think HPV is more like genital warts. So that's around, like if the warts are not, internal and they're more like for specifically for females if it's not internal and it's more like on the outside then like they your your partner is still going to have contact with them mm-hmm. um so that the condom isn't going to protect you from that and same with like dental dams for like if you get herpes in your mouth um or around your mouth those d- dental dams are great for if it's like a surface level thing and like right on the insides of your mouth but if like you have like a cold sore or an open sore somewhere further back in your mouth or like on a cheek or something like that um it doesn't protect you or your partner from spreading them that or from them getting it so um just make sure that you understand and really do your research about what stis are what stds are and how they can affect you long term and like what the risk that you're assuming is and are you willing to assume that said risk yeah, and I do want to touch upon, as well as protection, um, birth control, since it is another form, um, does not protect against STIs as well. Correct. It, it doesn't even protect against pregnancy all the time, so it is important to have protection, mm-hmm. um, or just talk about that with your partner and what you guys are agreeing upon mm-hmm. proceeding with. 
Yeah, absolutely. Like condoms, again, condoms aren't 100% effective for pregnancy protection. Um, just the same way that, you know, birth control is an IUDs, nuka rings, um, all of that. Like, sure, uh, birth control is, like, now, like, 96% effective, I think, is I the think new it, statistics. I think it varies on each pill. Pill, yeah. And I know IUDs are, like, 98 to 99% effective. But, again, there's always that 1%. Um, and you have to make sure that, like, with IUDs and birth control and anything of that nature, getting pregnant on something or even the Nexaplan, that's the one in your oh, arm. The one in the arm, yeah. Or on a shot. Like, if you're on those things and you do get pregnant, like, there is a huge risk for you and your child. And you need to make sure that you do the research behind that because I didn't, I didn't know that was even a thing. Like, I just made the assumption when I got my IUD that, like, I wouldn't get pregnant. And now keep in mind, I've only had my IUD for two years. So this was at 24, I would like learned 24, 25 that like, if I got pregnant while having an IUD, like abortion has to be the option for me because it can be a very awful pregnancy for both me and the baby. Like, mm-hmm. and I didn't, that was something at 24 getting my IUD. I had no idea. It can be a really risk carrying pregnancy, like through the entire thing. So, um, that has to be an option. Um, so make sure that you understand what the risks are around having each of those things. Um, and also like if you're someone who doesn't want to do hormonal, um, like any hormonal sort of birth control, thank you. Appreciate you. Um, make sure that you really understand your cycle and like where you're at in your cycle and you're you're very diligent on tracking it like I know even as someone who is on my IUD I'm very diligent about tracking it and I really try to withhold from sex while I'm ovulating regardless of the fact that I am on in I have an IUD or like I had birth control I would make sure to try to refrain as much as I could from that sort of interaction because I know like at this point in my life, like, that is not an option for me. Yeah, and you can also do that added protection of, like, a condom or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, I do want to touch upon the fact, like, condoms are very varying. I know you said that, uh, what is it, it, you can't feel as much during sex, yeah. and I do think that that is somewhat true, but I ex- would urge you guys to like go in and just try different brands everything is different they have thin different sizes ribbed lambskin flavored etc etc like i know the cashier is gonna look at you but you gotta try those out and just try different ones as well as like lubrication during those that can make a huge difference absolutely yeah uh definitely lubrication um and at different times of your cycle as well you may need more lubrication than others just be aware of that um it doesn't mean that your partner's not doing a good job not everyone has a wop yeah yeah (laughs) that's that's normal that's okay Mm -hmm. so like using lubrication is beneficial to both of you guys you guys can have a fun time you can also use that not vaginally or anally but like as a foreplay, you mm-hmm. know, on the nipple, on the neck, wherever you're feeling, like, using an oil and mm-hmm. just changing up and having, like, a fun time with your partner. That's what sex should be. It's fun. Mm-hmm. And I want to actually kind of touch upon um, lube if we're kind of on that topic. Absolutely. Um, lube comes in a lot of different forms, um, meaning, like, they have water-based lubes, they have oil-based lubes, um, silicone. silicone-based lubes, um, and as... 
woman, I prefer water-based. They I do, too. They do not mess with my pH as much. Um, they do sometimes suck because you have to reapply them because they are water. So eventually as things move along, like you can, things will evaporate or you may need to reapply, but it's much better than an oil-based lube or, um, a... Really hurt butt. <laughs> yeah, or that. Um, and also if you are looking to have anal sex, there is numbing lube. Like that is an mm. option for both you and your partner if it's something that you want to explore but you don't know what to do yeah. and you don't want to have the pain that is associated. But honestly, as someone who has experimented with that sort of thing, if you have enough foreplay, then that, that shouldn't be, that won't be an option. Like that won't be a problem if your partner is doing the right things to get to the, you, the point where like, if that's the end goal is to have anal sex if you are having the right amount of foreplay typically it won't be painful and it should be enjoyable for both of you um and i urge you that like if it is painful like stop and go back to the foreplay or skip the anal and just have normal sex but again it's all about having fun and talking you gotta Mm -hmm. discuss that stuff with your partner you know your partner may not know that you don't like a certain motion or touch and like you want to start communicating with your partner about those things like I don't like that or no can you do it this way Mm -hmm. Um, and that's just going to make your sex better absolutely I 100% agree and you have to be open to taking criticism as well I think that's a big one I, I know it is so hard and like you hate being criticized about like the amount or what you're doing in the bedroom because, like, that's such an intimate act, but it's really important. I feel like sometimes it can feel like an ego blow. Like, oh, that hurt, like, my ego more than anything. Um, But I think you have to see it more from, like, your partner, and you want your partner to have an enjoyable experience as much as you are. And so having the dialogue or even just making that, like, minor change can be a whole world of difference for your partner and, like, keeping that in mind and trying to be, like, non-judgmental or, or not critical of the other person. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, I think too, that also, like, leads into if you're, you know, watching a movie and feeling a certain type of way about a certain scene or you find porn and there's something in porn that you watch that you are like, oh, my God, I think I might want to try that. I think have that open discussion with your partner don't just bring it into the bedroom all of a sudden um because that could be really like traumatizing to your partner and instead of you having that open dialogue of like hey like I really would like to try this like what do you think and like you may feel really weird about it in the beginning and like maybe like oh like I don't know how to talk to my partner about this but if you're already having really good sex in the bedroom I don't think having that open dialogue is usually a problem your partner is probably going to be a lot more receptive to it especially if you bring it up before you guys really start getting intimate and getting into the moment yeah I would like to reiterate like do the conversations outside of the bedroom I know there are conversations that happen during or maybe after but try to have those conversations outside of the bedroom on a normal day like just start the dialogue Mm -hmm. And just be like, I know this is going to sound cringy or uncomfortable, but, like, I don't know how to approach it. Like, if you don't know the words, just say that and then just start from there. Like, hey, I did see something in a movie that I want to try, but I want to get your opinion on how you feel about it. Mm-hmm. You know, because you can't just go be touching a guy's butt or something like that. Yeah, or, like, absolutely. going and, and bringing ropes into the bedroom for, with your girl. Like, it, people don't like all the same stuff. 
Absolutely. Everyone's different. So you have to know what they like and dislike. Absolutely. Um, and actually, I'm going to bring up a, a thing that you and I found this upcoming week. Miss um, Allie Jewell on TikTok, who actually talks about the different type of sex person that you are, like the best way for you to have sex. Um, there's five of them. I don't think I can list all five. I think I got four of them. So That'll be another episode to come. Yeah, so I, I think I got four of them, but I would highly recommend finding her on TikTok and taking her test um, because it will open you up to the type of sex that you feel is good for you and you can go forward and explain to your partner the things that you need and like I'll just I'll be blunt like I thought I was more of like a kink person in the bedroom and I found out I'm more of a sensual person in the bedroom like I need smells I need touches I need sounds like I'm much more an auditory person than a visual person that's why I like podcasts that's why I like music way more than I like watching movies or like you know any of that visual aspects um and by doing this test I found out I was much more like I was like sensual and then it was kink so like yes I still like my kinks but I am much more sensual than I am over top of the kink and I thought I was more kink than sensual um but there's also like energetic um uh, and then there's there's definitely two others I don't remember them but we'll talk about those on another episode for sure um Alyssa and I are gonna discuss that off air when we're gonna you know do that um but I highly recommend that like if there's something you want to do with your partner and you feel like you're safe enough to do it with your partner, you need to bring it up because you two could end up absolutely loving it and having the time of your life doing it. And just know that like the first time you do it is probably going to be really messy. And like, you're going to laugh. You might bump teeth. Like you might like, you know, fall off the bed, switching positions. Like sex shouldn't be always very serious. It should be a little bit of fun. And like, you should be able to lean into that and like, laugh and get back into the moment and I know sometimes it's really hard that like when you switch and you fall off the bed to like be like yeah I'm so I'm still I'm so ready but yeah like I'm so ready to go so like you may have to take a step back and kind of revert back to the foreplay moment before you really kind of get back into the actual intimate act but I think it's just something to keep in mind when you're having sex is like just make sure you're having fun because that's it's it's about having fun in a different more intimate level with your partner yeah and i think you can set like you can try something or be open to trying something and set boundaries you know i do want to try this but i'm not comfortable trying the other thing Mm -hmm. or you know also adding in i don't want to say it's not code words um like safe words thank you safe words especially if you're gonna do anything like fetish or kink possibly um having those oh you know if i say bananas pineapple whatever um you you know your partner's gonna stop or maybe it's just a red yellow green type of Mm -hmm. green's good to go yellow i'm feeling it but maybe not so right and then red is like no we definitely need to stop something's Mm -hmm. wrong or i'm not i'm not liking it Mm -hmm. absolutely um i love the like green red like green yellow red i think it's great and um it's a really easy way especially if you're trying something new um i know sometimes like sex can be really overwhelming in moments um and like it gets to a point where not just in sensations but like mentally you can get over mentally stimulated especially during sex I know what that's like not just mentally but also like physically you can get overstimulated and I know that like that can happen but it's that like green yellow red is like great to be able to have that communication with your partner to be like look, I like, I like what's happening, but like, I need you to go slower or something. So if you just can yell yellow and they can come to like 
an abrupt stop and then you can explain more of like what you need in that moment mm-hmm. it, it can help you to have better sex and better intimacy with your partner and I think that's the overall thing I know at least for me for sex is like I just want a deeper intimacy with my partner that's what sex is to me it's like I, I get to see them on a different level than I get to see them every day and I think that's super important I do just want to touch upon checking in with your partner after those moments like you did try something new and be like okay you know you've had a little space away from the actual act like how are you feeling about it would you like to try it again would you not and having that conversation because it's only going to open you guys up to bigger and better things. Mm-hmm. Um, but with that, I think we're going to take a short break because I am sweating mm-hmm. as, as a <laughs> fuck. All right. Welcome back. We took a small break. Um, we needed to get out of the closet and cool off for a little bit. It's really hot in here. Um, and grab us some water. Yeah. Um, hydration, hydration, hydration. Yeah. Um, we're going to transition into a topic because we realized as we took some time off air to kind of discuss, uh, we've touched a lot upon the like female perspective of sex, ed- sex education. Um, and now we both recognize that we are not males. <laughs> um, we don't necessarily have that perspective of what, you know, guys of our same age or younger or older really kind of go through. Um, but we do have some points that we'd like to touch upon. Um, but we are going to preface with, like, if there's anything that we don't know or that we mislead by any means, we would love to see you guys in our DMs or on, in our comments letting us know and educating us as um, the other perspective that we don't understand the male perspective as, you know, fully as we understand hours um and we would just love to get your perspective as listeners in um the comments and again in the dms just to give us more insight and educate us on the the male's perspective of sex education yeah we love feedback and like if we're wrong we're willing to admit that or like maybe we just don't know or like you want to tell us about something that as a woman that we should know for you guys as males and like we want to hear that um, so please let us know in the comments, the DMs, like Jocelyn said, um, going into that. So we kind of touched base with some other people, um, and these are some really interesting topics that I thought might hit the male perception. Um, so I did want to touch about, like, is there open communication with parents as a male? Um, I do think just, like, from tv and film that you kind of get the idea that there isn't much Mm -hmm. i don't really see that happening like the sex talk um i don't know if my sibling did either (laughs) like Mm. they got that not something that was talked about but like i don't think there is a lot of communication going on personally like that's my opinion i think they kind of just send guys out into the world and just like, don't get anyone pregnant. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> the I, same way that they kind of send females into the world of being like, don't get pregnant. Like, <laughs> like that's really what, you know, our education videos were about. Like, don't get pregnant or this is how you get pregnant. Just don't do it. Yeah, and I do think we were lucky that we had, like, parents or friends that we could talk about or, like, just good resources um, to back the education and, like, learn more information. But I don't feel as though men have that as much Mm -hmm. like that support system yes Um, absolutely i know we mentioned like guys don't necessarily talk to other guys about sex Mm -hmm. and i think that that should change If, if that's the honest truth like i urge people to start the dialogue 
Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Especially male to male friendships. Um, I think, and I know it's kind of different from guys, um, from the perspective of like guys don't want to talk about what they're doing in the bedroom with their female because then, you know, guys know how guys think. And by doing that, they're kind of giving their guy friends the opportunity to envision what their woman is doing. So I understand that there's a bit more of a, um, protective role, um, that kind of comes along with that. But I think just in the way of like urging also dads to have the conversations with the males or uncles or just that male role model, if you're a male role model for any younger male or any younger person, I really urge you to open the doorway of having that sexual education talk because I think it's really important. And even male to male conversations at whatever level, um, I think is really important because I know like Alyssa and I grow a lot from our more sexually like kind of in depth, exactly, uh, conversations. And that's just like, it's not so we can be like, oh yeah, let's try this, bro. Like we don't, we're not swapping ideas. It's just like, Hey, like I'm trying to broach this topic with my partner. I don't know what I'm doing here. Like freaking help me out. Like, how do I do this? Um, it's more like from an advice base than it is like a, Hey, you should really try this position base. Yeah. And I, I do think to touch upon what you said before, I think parents in general, like not necessarily just male to male. Um, I do think parents should be having the conversation with their male children. Um, but you said it was more about protection between guy to guy conversation. Yeah. I actually think it's like more of like what they're faced with. Like when I picture guys trying to have like a deep conversation about their emotions and such, what I picture in my head is like a guy just like laughing in their, their other guy friend's face or like they're busting their balls like they're making fun of them for feeling that way um and so you don't get that deeper emotion like i know if someone laughed at me about something i was trying to bring up i would hate it yeah and you wouldn't you wouldn't want to continue that conversation either no and then i'd leave that conversation like wondering like well i didn't get an answer on what i was thinking or like confirmation that maybe somebody else feels that way so like then i don't want to broach the subject again absolutely Uh, Or you feel, like, embarrassed because you had someone laugh at you. Like, that's a very real emotion as well. Um, So I think you just, you know, need to find the person that is open-minded among your friends, whether it is male or female, and just be like, you know, if you're more comfortable talking to the opposite sex about that because you know that, like, you either are going to get a really real answer or you're going to get, like, a absolutely, like more emotional answer um or I wouldn't I would don't even I shouldn't even use I don't really like the way that I phrase that but so if you're gonna like phrase these conversations and have these type of conversations especially like with the opposite sex I think because you just want a different perspective um that like that's okay but I think you should have that safe space and have someone that you can turn to about those sex conversations to really get deeper education about Yeah, and I think it goes, I mean, going outside of just males, I think that anyone that can't communicate with their friends, family, a doctor, etc., should seek other resources, whether that's like Planned Parenthood, you can walk in and get a pamphlet, or just doing research on well-known education sites, you know, the .org, not just like some random site, Um, getting that education. I mean, I did a lot of that research myself, um, and I was like, you know, like, how does a period work or how does anal sex work and like right. I just researched it 
And, like, I was like, oh, look, look there's some tips. That's kind of, like, how you can maybe bro- approach the subject. And, like, that helped a lot. It doesn't have to necessarily come from your inner circle, um, mm. but you want to be getting that education. That's a great point. I never, you know, I, I was definitely more focused on the, the peer-to-peer than, like, just the education as a whole. So I think that's a great point. Thanks for bringing that up. I think also with the peers, like, I used to see guys just – kicking each other in the nuts all the time in middle school and high school yeah like is that where the education starts for them or is it sooner yeah uh i mean i don't know and i think that's like a hard conversation like or a hard kind of thing to think about that that's the way that guys are starting to learn i was just thinking because like we talked about body autonomy and like learning early and like playing doctor and does it start that early for a, a guy? Are they, like, what What are these? What are these things hanging between my legs? Like, what's this rod? You know, whatever, yeah. however you describe it. And, like, oh, I'm growing mustache hair. Like, that's weird. Like, do you have that conversation? Or does it come later when you are, like, with a peer and they kick you in the nuts and it hurts? Mm-hmm. And you're like, why does that hurt? Mm-hmm. Or do you not even think about it? And you're just like, <laughs> kick him in the nuts. Yeah. Like, I'm so curious to kind of, like, get that other perspective. Absolutely. No, I definitely, I mean, I definitely have questions because it's just, like, a, like, obviously the education system failed females. Uh, but that also means that they most likely failed males as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and we understand that we're two females sitting in a closet this episode having this conversation. So it is a very female perspective-based episode, but... Um, we really want to know that male perspective and like, how did the education system fail you and what ways on here can we educate our own listeners with the male perspective? I mean, I think Alyssa and I will probably in some time in the future do a 2.0 version of this episode and maybe bring on a male guest and ask questions that we don't know, that things that we're, we're curious about for the male education portion as a dad like how do you bring that to your child Mm -hmm. like yeah what how do you start that yeah (laughs) i'd love to know like we'd love to hear that so yeah so i mean if you're someone out there that's listening and willing to record an episode like that reach out to us again in the dms you can find us on instagram or you know comment hey i've got some things to say and either you know drop your email or if you're not comfortable doing that we are trying to figure out how to read our comments i don't know if we have any yet but we're figuring that instagram out instagram dms are yeah open. yeah instagram dms are definitely open so uh please like reach out to us i know we would love to hear your perspective um i also do just want to touch upon before we kind of like end the episode i think locker room talk is another one mm. for males like is that a safe space like i know you got like the being whipped and stuff like that that can happen in the locker room but like are you guys talking about sex or the drop the soap like that's oh yeah showering with other guys like is that embarrassing the first time you're doing it are you like worried about guys you know looking at other guys junk like yeah yeah that's yeah i mean i can't even begin to really understand that because as a female i never really i never felt that sort of embarrassment to like not change in front of my peers i think i did change in front of my peers at some points and i also had we had like curtain Mm -hmm. like areas 
But again, I know going like back to that like joking mentality, like, are you going to be shamed because you're going and hiding in the curtain or Mm. like, how was that experience for you? Did it do you good? Did it, was it positive? Was it negative? Yeah. And like, how did that change your body perspective too? Like, how did you feel about seeing other guys naked or... Mm -hmm. Or how did you go forward with, you know, future conversations with your peers? Or even did you at that point now have questions and were were you someone that much to you the same way that Alyssa, you did? Like, did you Google things? Did you, you know, did you go to the library and get books if that was the age you were in or the the era you were in? Or did you have those conversations with your, you know, parental or adult figure in your life? I think those are all questions that I know I think Alyssa and I have we're just curious about because it's very different for males than females and we don't want to even state that we even begin to understand the difference yeah I, I wouldn't I don't think I'd feel comfortable doing that mm-hmm. I mean like I said I have my opinions and my perception but like you guys know the truth mm-hmm. you guys lived it so like we'd love to hear it yeah um, but I think that kind of rounds out our episode yeah so did you learn anything new this week I don't think I learned anything extra new this week, but I am excited to learn more about the male perspective on sex education. So Awesome. All right. Um, so that is it. I'm going to urge you guys to comment, like, subscribe, and please share with everyone that you know uh, for this episode and all those to come. We love you, and we'll see you guys next time.